our reading today is Romans 12. Uh, it's taken from Romans 12, and it's the first verse. It says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When I was 19, I moved from the Lake District where I'd grown up uh, to the northeast of Scotland, to Aberdeen. Uh, I went to university and I joined a church on my second day there. So it was my first full day I, uh, I joined this church. And I remember really vividly walking in and the pastor was there and he said hello to me. He, he kind of clocked that I was new. I, he was straightening some chairs and he went and found me a seat and I, I sat down in the seat. Uh, the worship service, the service started and the worship band kind of started playing uh, and everyone stood up and, and they were really simple songs, which was nice for me because it meant I could follow them and sing along. There was nothing too complicated. But the, I, I, there was something that I couldn't really put my finger on at that moment. But it was, as people started singing, as the band started singing, as I started joining in, my, my fears, my anxieties, my worries, or my guilt, or my shame just seemed to disappear. My heart opened up. And it was as if I'd run into the arms of someone who I'd longed to see my whole life. In that moment... I encountered the presence of God. And I still remember it today. I went back to that church most Sundays. And, and actually, I had a really similar experience most Sundays I went there. It was as if I met the person of Jesus Christ as we worshipped together. But to tell you the honest truth, it didn't last really forever. I graduated and I got a job in London and I moved, moved down to London, found a new church, which is just a brilliant church. Those times of sung worship, they, they, the feeling kind of, kind of came and went. So sometimes I'd go in and I'd feel, feel like I'd encountered the presence of God. And then sometimes I felt nothing. And I thought, I've got something wrong here. What's going on? But every now and then, and the correlation was quite stark when I think about it, where I was having to give up something or sacrifice something, where I was having to give something away, I felt as if I connected with God in a deeper way than I ever had before. It felt, it felt, like, it felt like it filled me up for a longer time. You know how if you eat cake, you're full for kind of 10 minutes and then you're a bit hungry again? You know how if you eat rice, you're full all day? It was like eating rice. It was like deeper food. It was more rich time. It filled me up for a long time. And it's, and it's because in our sacrifice, in our service, as we give away, we encounter the presence of God. And that in turn, it fuels our other areas of other part, other areas of worship like our whole life is worship but as we give away our whole life our whole worship for life is is enhanced and maybe today you're thinking about how you could worship better why why when you turn up to church do you not feel does it not always feel like it should feel maybe you're thinking oh I, you know I, I hear all these these people say, oh, we should encounter the presence of God. It should be this amazing experience. Why can't I access God's presence? Today, you can know that in service, 
that in sacrifice you are worshipping Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. In spending yourself for others, even just a little bit, that is worship. And that worship, it's done here on a Sunday, it's done on the teams on Sunday, as we put chairs out, as we look after the facility, as we serve tea and coffee, as we serve pizza, as we serve on the sound desk. It's done here, that is worship. As we sing together as well, it's worship. But it's also done out there in our day-to-day lives. Each one of us here today, we're going to leave here today. Well, actually, you should leave here today. If you're still hanging around at kind of nine o'clock at night, you're going to get locked in overnight. Um, but you will leave here hopefully and you will go somewhere maybe it's work tomorrow it could be university it could be school it could be it could be wherever it is to your family and you're going to live a life of worship of service if you want to and that worship that service it's not just something that that you can do for others but it's something that that God's going to use to reach this city So how do we do it? Well, our reading today is taken from Romans, which was written by the Apostle Paul to a church right in the heart of the Roman Empire. And the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul's giving this theological, this historical overview of the great love of God. It's just a wonderful account of the good news of the Christian faith. If you're new to faith or you're wanting a bit of a top-up of your faith, go home and read Romans 1 to 11. Just do it in a sitting. It will take you half an hour or something. It's it's an amazing account of the faithfulness of God. And then in chapter 12, Paul starts to apply that gospel, the good news of the Christian faith, to this little church in Rome. And really what he's getting at in chapters 12 to 15 is a worshipful response to the love of God. The service that we give, our service is the response to God's great love for us. Romans 11, at the end of it, it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has sinned? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him, and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. This little line that we had in our verse, in view of God's mercy, service is the response to God's love, to God's great love. The therefore, the therefore is because of God's mercy. That's why we serve. That's why we serve. And the the motivation in service is because of the good news of the gospel, God's mercy. And how are we supposed to respond to the good news of the Christian faith in worship? But it's not just worship that's an experience. It's more than singing. Singing is is great. It's something that our whole bodies do. Service is something that every part of us does. The next little line in our verse says this, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This living sacrifice language has its roots in Old Testament worship where animals and, and food was offered to God as a sacrifice, as a a worshipful sacrifice to his faithfulness. And here, to Paul, the sacrifice is not an animal or food, it's our bodies. What Paul isn't saying here is 
take off your arm, chop it off and give it to God. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, is use your bodies, use your arms, your hands, your legs, your mind, your, your emotions, your feelings, your prayers, your passions, your desires. Use them. John Stott, who's a, a pastor, an author, a theologian, he says this, Paul is clear that the presentation of our bodies is our spiritual act of worship. This is a significant Christian paradox. No worship is pleasing to God, which is purely inward, abstract, and mystical. It must express itself in concrete acts of service performed by our bodies. Our bodies and our minds, they're interconnected. I don't know if any of you have, um, have been ill. I'm sure you have. But when you get ill, I don't you might also feel a little bit down. Whenever I get ill, my emotions feel down. And it's because your body is connected to your mind and your soul who, and your emotions. Everything is interconnected. So you might feel something as you worship, and that is valid because it's part of who you are. And as valid as a feeling, if not more valid, is the physical action of responding to God's love. And what does that look like? I quite enjoy running, and I went out running, I go out running uh, if I can in the week uh, with a few other people, um, and I usually turn up late because I've got two little kids and got to get them to bed. Anyway, I got out late the other night, and um, <clears throat> one of the guys said, well done, you're allowed out tonight. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm here. And we got talking a little bit about life with little kids, and this guy, he didn't have any um, and I was explaining that, you know, sometimes I work on an evening and, you know, I've just got to help. I've got to get our kids to sleep. And um, so I just get out to whatever I can. And I, I kind of nonchalantly said, I make these sacrifices because I've got kids. To which the guy who he's not a Christian, he was he said, oh, yeah, that's right. You make compromises. And, and in that moment, I was really challenged because there's it got me thinking about that there's a real difference between compromise and sacrifice. I like to think that, that because I put the kids to bed, I can go out running, but that's not really the, what, what we're getting at here today. Because to compromise, which is a great thing, means you kind of expect something in return or, or you hold something back in, in, in reserve. It's like, if I help with bedtime, help others, I can go running later, helps me. Whereas to sacrifice means you don't expect anything in return. To sacrifice, to give something away, hurts. It takes something from you. Compromise is 50-50, whereas sacrifice is 100% all in. And that could look different for you depending on your situation and your, your lifestyle and your life. It could, be, it could be different depending on your workplace. Maybe it's at home and you, you, you live with other, other people. Actually, your response, your sacrificial response could be to give something to your housemates who, who without expecting anything in return. I used to live with someone. He was a bit older than me. I lived, me and my mate lodged with him. And uh, we'll call him Darren because that was his name. And... Darren, he earned a bit more money than me and my other flatmate. Week in, week out, he would go and buy the, the shopping, buy the food for, for, our, for our meals for the week. Week in, week out. And 
and Leon and I, the other guy who lived with him, we try our best to kind of give him money. Take this money, Darren, take it, take it. And he'd just give it back to us. And he'd say, no, 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 uh, this is my service. This is, this is my sacrifice. This is my worship for you. I'm giving this to you guys so you don't have to worry about this. Here you go, here you go. It's on me. And it was his worship. Or maybe it could be a little bit different. Maybe it's like you get in from a busy day at work and, and your service, your worship, it could be taking command of home while you, when you get home, like putting the kids to bed or making tea or planning the finance for your family. And I know exactly what it's like. You get in from a busy day. There's the buzz that you feel in your mind of, Microsoft Teams, emails, video conference calls, like tricky colleagues, all that kind of stuff. Of course, I have no tricky colleagues working in the church at all. Uh, but you get in and you're, you're buzzing, you're everywhere. The compromise is to say, well, I've been out hard at work earning all the cash, so you can look after the home. The sacrificial, worshipful response is to get the marigolds on to lean in and to take ownership of the planning and the administration that's required when you're running a home. Maybe you're up to the eyeballs with your life already and you're thinking, stop telling me more things that I need to do. Maybe you just need to remember that your life, your day-to-day, your nitty-gritty life is worship. I've got a friend, she's got four kids and uh, she was saying when they were really little, She'd, um, she'd find herself cleaning the kitchen floor for the fourth time because little kids do that thing that little kids do to clean things, trash them. And uh, she'd be scrubbing the floor again. And she's, Lord, this is my worship. This is my worship. Sometimes we just need to remember that our nitty-gritty life is worship. Maybe it's at church here today, uh, serving on teams, on the welcome team, on the cafe team, looking after maybe our facilities in the youth or in the food bank, physically shifting chairs. You can know that as you do those things, that is worship. You are encountering the presence of God. A great example of this is our very own Rosie, who's done seven, six, seven years serving this church. And when we serve, We don't do it for ourselves. We do it so that something else can be better off. And so you might be sat there today thinking, thanks. It's a slightly inspiring message. I kind of feel like you've told us what we're not doing. and I need to go home and do more stuff. Well, I, I get that. And I know life's really busy for lots of people at the moment, especially as we kind of navigate leaving leaving. COVID pandemic and then now we've got this work that can follow us everywhere and we can log into meetings wherever we are and boundaries are more blurred than they ever were. But the thing is, as we serve, as we give ourselves to something, like when you help out, when you, when you give yourself, it's quite easy to think I'm doing this for, it's like charity, I'm doing this to help out here, this is my my thing that I do on the side and you might be doing that but as you serve as you pour your life out you get proximity to people you get proximity to people who you might not necessarily have got proximity to if you weren't serving if you weren't on the hosting team at church if you weren't welcoming new people 
You might not meet those people in any other, any other part of your life. What you do when you serve is you get close to people. You start to get proximity. And you start to realize that actually maybe you're in a similar boat to these people. And you think, actually, that need that I can see that they've got, maybe I've got some needs too. Because the thing is, when you get close to people, when you get close to issues, you realize that you in your own strength, you can't solve every problem on the planet. Not through planning or hard work or intelligence or capability or capacity. You can't solve all the issues because when you serve, you put yourself in a lower position than you originally were. And when you get down on your knees, you're vulnerable and you see that there's an eternal need that exists in you that you can't fix in your own strength. Say when you, when you walk out along the whichever road you want, really, wherever where we live, and you see the real need in our city. You see homelessness. You see the people who the cost of living crisis is affecting. You realize that we in our own strength, we can't, we can't solve this issue. But there's an, another someone who got down on their knees and served. In John's Gospel, Chapter 13, we read this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, there was another who served. And on the night before he was handed over to be betrayed, he took off his royal robes. He knelt down and he washed the feet of those who he really didn't have to. He went lower than a slave and he washed their feet. And you and me, as we serve, we realize that perhaps it's not necessarily us doing a good thing but perhaps we're the ones sat in that seat having our feet washed even though there's nothing really in our lives that might deserve it and on the cross Jesus chose the ultimate way of sacrifice the ultimate act of service to serve you and me he gave everything he had to solve that eternal need we all have to be welcomed into the arms of someone who we've longed to meet our whole life. Worship, in many ways, isn't about doing stuff. It's about having our lives changed by the only one who can change them, Jesus Christ. And we can all respond, all of us here today, no matter what our situation. And when we do respond, we might get to see the world around us changed a little bit. This is a picture of my friend. He's called Stephen, Stephen Thang. Stephen is, he was born in Myanmar. 
in the capital, Yangon. Uh, Stephen's a Christian, and as a teenager, him and his family, they were forced to flee Myanmar because of their ethnicity and their, and their faith. He was part of a, a tribe that was persecuted, and because he was a Christian, he was persecuted as well. So if he'd stayed, he could have been put in prison or worse, killed. It was a horrible situation, so he fled, and he settled in Malaysia as an undocumented refugee awaiting safe uh, and legal passage, either to Australia or to the United States. And he left when he was a teenager. He's 31 now, and he's still waiting for that passage at the moment. There's no state care, no education, no rights as a human in Malaysia for Stephen. So he's stuck there, kind of in limbo. But he's a brilliant musician, and he's great at gathering people. And, and through his own servant heart, he unwittingly started this church that met on a Tuesday lunchtime with other refugees from Myanmar. These guys can't get official jobs, so they work in shopping malls on a weekend or in restaurants and cafes on a weekend. So on a Tuesday lunchtime, they've got it free. So they meet on a Tuesday lunchtime. And this uh, church and Stephen, they used to meet on a Tuesday lunchtime in the shopping centre, which was part of a church that I was part of on a Tuesday. So on Tuesday lunchtimes, I used to go and, I'd say, worship with Stephen and his friends. I had no idea what was going on because it was all in Burmese and it was very loud. But it was an incredible experience, full of the presence of God. This, this worship service, this, this church was part of a, a wider church that my wife and I were, were part of. And we got to know Stephen a little bit. And he would serve on every single team that this church was part of. He was a guitarist, so he'd play guitar. He was a brilliant sound engineer, so he sat on the sound desk. But he would put chairs out. He... Um, he would, uh, he would do kind of our cafe teams as well. He would do absolutely everything. He poured his life out in this way. And he didn't have to. He didn't have to. After a little while, Stephen studied at a local theological college to be ordained in the Anglican church. And it's interesting what Stephen is, is still doing because his first job after getting ordained, he didn't kind of do that, that priestly thing and become kind of special you know, slightly elevated above everyone else. The first job Stephen did when he was ordained was to set up a food bank for providing emergency support for people whose lives have been devastated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Stephen gets it. Stephen gets it. When Stephen's rocking out on his guitar or serving on the sound desk or delivering food parcels, you can see his adoration of Jesus. He gets that in service, he's worshipping the King of Kings. But I think he also gets that Jesus is changing his life as well. And as Stephen serves, the hungry are literally fed. The homeless are housed. The brokenhearted are healed. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, if he gets it, if he can do it, maybe I could do something as well and what if we just started with one person or one thing it could be our neighbor we know maybe he's having a tough time or or a colleague at work is having a tough time if there's a need that can be met you can go and do it or maybe it's serving on a team here at church maybe you're thinking I could get involved a bit more do it get involved in a in the life of the church a bit more give 
to the church. And here's the really great encouragement. We don't do this alone. We're not alone as we serve. You see, worship's a corporate activity. It's done together in community. That's why it's great to come to church on a Sunday and to serve on a Sunday, because you can see you're doing it with other people, because we all do it gathered together. But we also go and do it scattered together. And imagine what it might be like in our city if we all bowed the knee and served. You know, sometimes I think about the picture. If we all went down Northcote Road with a load of baseball bats and just smashed the place up, we could do an awful lot of damage. What are the 100 of us here? If we all got some baseball bats now, smashed it up, it'd be a mess, wouldn't it? Can you imagine what it might be like if we went out into our world and instead of smashing it up, we served it and we loved it and we loved it and we poured ourselves out into it in worship of Jesus Christ. We might see this city changed.